So welcome to Two Queens in a Pod. This is season five, episode three. Uh, and we just finished doing um, uh episode with APTN on Indigenous love. And uh, that was a short episode. And we wanted just to continue the conversation. Uh, about two years ago, we released an episode called Indigenous Love, uh, where Amber and I did an episode with one another in a parking lot in her vehicle um, and we recognize um, the the feedback that we got from that from that episode and how many people reached out to us and really appreciated that conversation and so we wanted to do another episode knowing that you know it is uh, it is an important topic to be talking about and so you know Amber where where are you at with you know because I often reflect back to uh, again, that was two years ago, and the space that we were in at that time. Um, and yeah, I just want to open up the floor to you. Hmm. So I have like vivid Straight memory. <laughs> I mind just wants to cry. I mind. Um, I think I I have like super vivid memory of us sitting in my vehicle and recording that episode. And I have reflected on it multiple times hmm. uh, throughout the last couple of years. And I want to like honor the space that we were both in mm-hmm. when we recorded that episode, <clears throat> uh, because I think that both of us, maybe in different ways, uh, were processing a lot mm-hmm. and really unpacking a lot of what love meant to us. Uh, how did we share love? Um, how, um, how we received or didn't receive love. Um, and, and again, like at that time I was really looking at indigenous love languages and I still am like, Mm -hmm. I, I still am looking at indigenous love languages and I've actually been going back and forth. I think at that point I had mentioned that I wanted to write a book. Um, and I think that as I write, I think it's more appropriate probably for an article than it is a whole book. Um, And the way that I'm approaching the writing is by talking about my own experiences with love. Mm -hmm. And um, as we talked about in the APTN episode, we talked about how it always goes back to like how we were demonstrated love Mm -hmm. from our parents or our grandparents or our community um, and how we've learned love in those ways, whether that be in ceremony or sitting with, you know, our parents or or with our own children. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've learned a lot ever since we recorded that episode. And I've learned a lot about myself. I've learned a lot about the places that (laughs) I never wanted to go to, that I was always kind of afraid to go to. And I remember in that episode when we hit record, it was like this super vulnerable place that I was in. And I had some anxiety about like like publicly recording that and like sharing it to the public. Mm Um, but I'm also really thankful that, that I did because again, it pushed me, it pushed me to start thinking about, um, about love. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so I think that like you and I have had lots of different conversations since then. And I love when I get to go to you and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is what I thought about. And then we talk about it and then we have these like really cool, we have so many cool conversations (laughs) off air where we're able to help one another. Process. make sense mm-hmm. of this stuff 
And I remember, and one of the conversations I keep going back to, especially in my writing, me and you were sitting on your, on your porch and we were having a conversation about light. Oh yeah. And this is a conversation that I keep going back to and I want to talk about it a bit. And it is um, always, you know, going back to love and how I have reflected on how if we were to, um, so again, I'll go back to Roxanne's teachings and the late Roxanne Tatusis, she would often say, you know, publicly, you know, when she was talking to other people, um, she came to my class multiple times and she would talk about how creator sees us as light. Hmm. And that is how mm-hmm. we were, that's how we are seen when the creator is, is viewing all of us on our, on our earth journey, we're only seen as light. Hmm. And I remember reflecting on Roxanne's teachings when I was writing and I started to think about um, my own light and how do we measure light in that way in accordance to love. And so if I am light, which I believe I am, if I am light, how do I share that light with other people? In my intimate partner relationships, mm-hmm. how have I shared light? <clears throat> have I had any boundaries about how much light I share with other people? Um, does there need to be a boundary around that? Because if I offer it, it's always given back to me. Mm-hmm. And that's been my experience. I can't say that's for everyone's experience, but it's through people like you that I'm offered light back. And so when we are experiencing a dimming of light, a lower wattage, <laughs> when we are in 40, 40 watts, watt. <laughs> when we are 40 watts and we're not the 120 <laughs> that creator sees us as, okay? When we're in lower wattage, mm-hmm. yeah. how do we seek out who are the people that we go to to bring us back up to that 120 wattage, right? Mm-hmm. And... And I've been thinking about how that's measured in intimate partner relationships specifically. So it's no wonder if someone is experiencing low wattage and I'm at my 120. It's no wonder that that light will be attracted to mine. And that's what I'm more conscious of today than I was then is how bright my light is and I can choose intentionally. I can intentionally choose who I share it with in regards specifically to intimate partner relationships. Whereas in the past, I don't think I had that understanding, Terry. I think that I was just this light giver where I was like, here, have some of my light. It's okay if I'm dim. That's okay. Here, have it. You need it. And I think that that sucked the light out of me, you know, like, and, and I, and I want to like, I want to thank myself for that. Yeah. It's interesting you say that because I was <clears throat> reading this book and when we think about, and we've had this conversation too in, re- in regards to intimate partner relationships or even just relationships in general and how we, to have successful relationships that we have to be good managers within that relationship. And so a good manager wouldn't deplete themselves and say, here, take some of my light 
and then you know give that light in that place as a good manager it's like i'm gonna hold on to my light and keep my light but i'm gonna help you with the tools that you need to bring your own life back up yes so you know i know that like if your light's dim it's dim because of maybe there is an experience that you had or maybe there's a loss there's trauma there's addictions there's something in that in that realm and you know my job as your partner is to say hey how can I help you manage this without depleting myself yeah and so if we look at relationships that way in a sense of how do we help one another keep or keep that light bright keep it at 120 um, we can have really healthy relationships mm -hmm. And that speaks to also the boundaries, mm -hmm. right? How are we ensuring that we are holding up these boundaries within our relationship or we're not just giving, that there is that reciprocal piece and ensuring that we are taking care of one another. Because even though we may have a, you know, a bright light and the other person may be dim, it may switch where, you know, we experience something and then our light is dim and we need our partner to help us manage how to bring that back up. And part of that whole relational piece is understanding those understanding our partner but understanding the needs and how quickly we respond to those needs as well um in that space hmm. of of being in partnership with one another so ensuring because <clears throat> when we're able to respond then we are creating that <clears throat> that security we are creating that safety with one another, that trust with one another. And when we find if we're in an intimate partnership and our partner is not meeting our needs or not being able to be there for us during a time where we need them, um, the impact of that um, creates almost threat or resentment uh, to one another mm -hmm. as well. And then we don't feel like it's it's safe to um, experience things in that our partner you know and again like the importance of ensuring that we are creating that space to have our partners back mm -hmm. yeah and it mm -hmm. and it even goes to so in that in that aptn in focus that we just did you know you talked about you know your love for the land and your love for you know ceremony or, or the love that you experience in ceremony and the love that we both have experienced in those spaces. And I think about how if we are, because I also recognize that I have really strong, I have really strong female friendships. Mm -hmm. I have very strong female friendships. I have very strong <clears throat> relationships to my children. I have other relationships within my family that are very strong mm -hmm. and they're reciprocal. They have some good boundaries. And, uh, and I feel like we offer one another light. Mm -hmm. And then I think about how if we are unable to secure people, humans, other humans, who are, um, who potentially could help us in those spaces, mm -hmm. then it does go back to go to those spaces that offer mm -hmm. you the natural light. <clears throat> so again, when we go into those spaces of ceremony, and I'll, <laughs> I have so many like thoughts in my mind about how I'll never forget one of it was my first Sundance and I remember 
thinking to myself, can I do this? On that, even on the first day, the second day, way harder. For me, it was way harder. And I remember looking up at the sun and like asking myself, like, can I do this? Am I capable of this? And then that when the sun hits your face and that reminder that there is that that's the light, right? That is the light. That is the source. And so going to those places where we can get the source Hmm. and that we don't have to go over to another human being and say, give me all of your light. I need it now. Rather facing the sun, just going out and facing the sun Hmm. or else laying in, you know, in the grass or wherever, like whatever, whatever the light might be. But going back to those natural, natural sources that have Mm -hmm. always offered themselves to us, you know, again, in reciprocity, it's not just like take, 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 obviously, but again, in reciprocity and going back to those natural sources of light. And so I think about what you just said around management, right? And how do we support the people that we love? You know, because, you know, we've done an episode with Shante, who's, you know, a very good friend of mine who just happens to be, you know, (laughs) my sister wife, but she came here one day and we were talking and, or she's, she was talking, she wanted to talk and she paused and she looked at me and she said, hold on a second. Do you have the space to hear me right now? And when she said that, I was kind of taken back and I was like, oh, I'm like, yes, I, I have the space, but I don't feel like we ask each other, like, mm-hmm. you know, any, any of us really ask each other enough of that, right? Where we are asking each other, like, hey, do you have the space for this? Like, I know you and I know each other well enough so that if I know you're extremely busy and overwhelmed, I am not going to share with you my childhood traumas, you know, when you are literally, when you're going through your stuff, right? And you have some things going on. And so I think that we're able to manage that with our relationship, but we can't assume mm-hmm. with others. And so thinking about those spaces, asking one another, do you have the space to hear me right now? Because I do have some difficult things to say. Hmm. And if you're in an intimate partner relationship, we should be asking those things to one another and not assuming, well, you're my light. And so you're going to hear this and you are going to, because what do we do? We absorb light. We automatically will suck it up and absorb it. That's how light works. And so thinking about how, asking each other in a partnership do you have the space to hear me right now and if that partner says no our response to that might be initially like excuse me you're my light you're gonna fucking listen to me (laughs) you ready for this so i'm gonna fucking tell you anyway you know we can get kind of rough with each other and so the key is going back and being like okay like then how then how do i suggest my partner seeks out the light that they need <clears throat> external from me and going back to those natural light sources <laughs> i've thought about that too yeah i think the importance of that because there's been times where we've been you know me and you have been in conversation and i'm like fuck and it was it wasn't in relation to like us sharing with one another but just in relation to sometimes external relations or conversations or work or school and it's like fuck I don't have the space for this yep like I 
don't have the space for this and we're mindful of what we can take on and what we can't and even when we're in situations where we know or recognize we are being reactive like I know of an episode not episode but a situation where me and you had some conversations a, a little while ago <clears throat> and it was you know again we were it was an intense conversation but I think that one of the things that you said to me was that I recognize I'm reactive right now yeah and it was like yeah fuck. <laughs> and it was like yeah thank you for that yeah thank you for that because then that helps me to process and understand the situation or what is coming and again like when we can do that within our relationships in a very respectful way fuck it's it's it leads us into a deeper relationship with one another because we have the ability to feel safe to say hey this is coming up for me yeah. or I'm experiencing this um, and so just so you're aware yeah and we need to be able to do that more often I yeah. think in our relationships yeah one of the things that I was thinking about as well that we didn't really talk about in the episode but I think about often is love and pain hmm. and I think about how especially with the loss of Ashley last year and I think about the transition that she made in her last four days and I you know when I spoke at her funeral I talked about that process as being in ceremony it I related it to Sundance and the four days in Sundance and the process of uh, her transition and I thought about how you know it was painful you know you are saying your goodbyes in the sense to the in this in this physical realm to somebody that you love mm -hmm. and you are watching somebody also suffer at end of life in in, in different kinds of way um, and so it is painful when we lose somebody but at the same time love was so present mm -hmm. through it and I think for me, it's really understanding death or loss in that way is that how loving those spaces can be when we are with the people that we love and that we help them transition at the end of life. And the love that is so clear and so you just, you feel it in that space. And I felt it for four days. But again, how pain and love really shared that space together. And oftentimes I don't think we actually think about that. Like if we're experiencing pain or we're experiencing suffering in the Sundance, you know, we go in and we suffer and we're fasting and we're, 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 we're there for a reason. And, but while we are suffering and we are without food and water and we are fasting that you feel this you feel the love in that space. You feel the healing. You feel the love, not just from the people who you're dancing with or the elders who are in that lodge, but it's this like ancestral love. Yep. This ancestral love that is really hard to explain. Yep. Um, and I oftentimes find a very hard time in describing what that is. Because again, like in the episode I talked about, you know my love for a creator and and sharing that gratitude each morning because there's like just 
it's hard to explain. Mm-hmm. It's hard to explain because there's so much to be thankful for and the love that we have from that spiritual realm really carries us and protects us and guides us in the work that we do here and the life that we live and the relationships that we have. And I just, you know, I guess my hope and I try to teach my daughters this is to ensure that connection and to ensure that even through suffering or through pain that there is always space for love and that through that is also ceremony and ensuring that we are inviting that ancestral love into our lives mm-hmm. in some way, mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah, yeah, and that's why, like, I think there's been times where I have um, maybe resisted using the language of like decolonizing love. Or decolonial love. I, I think that there's space for that too. And I've been reading about and, and hearing other people talk about decolonial love or decolonized love, which I think is an important conversation. But I don't know if that fits for my understanding mm-hmm. at this point, because I think that, you know, in that previous episode, we talked about how colonialism has impacted into intimate partner relationships or has impacted, um, you know, this these generations of love or how love is transmitted from one generation to another and I think that's important but what you're talking about is that ancestral love which is that's we have a right to that that's innately ours and that and I I didn't mention this in the APTN piece but uh where that when I started writing about um, specifically around love in, in relation to my, in, in relation to my, me and my dad's relationship, I was explaining to my students that day, I was in class with my students and I was teaching in a, a diversity and oppression course at the U of C. And I was sitting with them in class and we were talking about um, how indigenous families are assessed and how oftentimes there's very clear assessments about neglect and how there's very clear assessments done where we can pinpoint uh, and, and pull risk really quickly, more specifically around neglect, hmm. which is one of the highest yeah. reasons why our children are apprehended. And I remember saying to my students that day in class, don't forget to also assess for Indigenous love. Hmm. And I asked them to think about while you're seeing these risks and, you know, these this evidence of neglect and, you know, abuse, which are, are very real things. That's a consequence of colonialism. Yeah. While you're seeing those, don't forget to leave space for how you are also assessing how that family loves one another. Because it doesn't matter. I shouldn't say it doesn't matter. I'll take that back. Even through that pain, Mm -hmm. you will see love. Mm -hmm. And how do we know it exists? Mm -hmm. And so I appreciate you saying that because you just reminded me about that conversation. And how that's after that class, that's when I went back into my office and I'm like, okay, Amber, you just said that. Now, how do you know you were loved? Mm -hmm. Now you need to do like you know, this 
this survey through your body about how you have been loved by people who couldn't tell you they loved you. And so while people, while if child and family services ever walked into my family's home when I was a kid, there may have been all kinds of things that they would have assessed as risk, but would they have assessed indigenous love? Hmm. And how do we, what are the indicators of that, of indigenous love? And are we ensuring that we leave room for that as well? And I know that there has been some changes in child and family services, for example, where they are being more mindful of those things, yeah. but indigenizing them or ensuring that they are coming from that specific community or language base or, 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 or. <clears throat> so I think that's what you just talked about from, from my reflection is like that leaving space for love, even within pain, because they can, they hold hands. Yeah. They're, they're often in alignment or allies to one another. Yeah, and I think that like, and in in relation to that is that, indig it should be indigenous people identifying what indigenous love looks Fuck like. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Because I think oftentimes, and again, before we even recorded, we talk about you know how the importance of indigenous people telling their own stories. And again, when we think of curriculum, we think about changes within our systems, um, and we think about. You know, one of the things that I've thought about is like, how do we see love within our policies? Mm-hmm. How do we see love within our workplace? Is there space for it in those places? And I think that that's, that's a bigger conversation, but definitely something um, we're thinking about. And the importance that when we are thinking about Indigenous love or indicators in that sense, that it's Indigenous people who are leading that work. Because yep. oftentimes we just see, we see a lot of non-Indigenous people um, telling our stories for us. Mm-hmm. And that's not okay. <laughs> it's not. It's not okay. No. It's not okay and that needs to change. And, and it goes back to what Auntie Leona has said around when she was writing her dissertation and how she was told back then by the old people, like, this is for you right now. Though it'll come a time where you'll share this with other people. But for right now, this is just for you. And she's talked about the evolution of that, right? The evolution of being told stories or being given teachings Mm -hmm. and told this is just for you. And I think that that's the other thing that we need to honor is that there's times where if you were a non-Indigenous person and I was sharing something with you and there's this because there's a market for our stories mm-hmm. there's a huge market for our stories that if I share that with you and then you go out into the world and you share that with other people you're you're profiting potentially or benefiting in some way shape or form from sharing my story when really that could have been just for you mm-hmm. and that there may come a time and a place where I might share that you know broadly and publicly but in that moment it's just for you And so I think that there's also these other things that we need to consider when we are sharing stories, how much of our stories are we sharing? Mm -hmm. And, and is there some things that are meant for just us? And that's been a long conversation. That's that conversation has been in existence for a very long time, you know, Mm -hmm. again, considering Leona's research and what she has learned. So yeah, lots of things to consider. Hmm. Lots of things to consider. (laughs) So what else, what, else, what else do you want to talk about? Who do you love? Oh my God. 
I love all of you. Hey, hey, I love you all. Fucking listen up. Hey, listen up here. I love all of you. Um, and I and I and I want to just leave with that that there is, there is our. Again, it goes back to that first teaching of love, and um. But again, there's this, uh, there's this recognition that I've had within you know since the last time we recorded that episode around. Um, how do I share it and hmm. intentionality and um, you know if if that if that is something that I was meant to learn then I've learned it <laughs> hmm. I've learned it you know I was I was looking at this I was thinking about like again because we this is a discussion that I've discussions that I've had for for a long t- time in regards to love and <clears throat> Sometimes you see like these memes or these quotes um, in regards to, and sometimes they're from psychologists, in regards to love and how there's this restrictive, um, there's restrictions around love in the sense of like, you only love one person or one intimate partner, da da da, whatever it is. And I think about love in the context of how we understand love to be and that we don't like we don't just have a tank of love and we just have that tank of love and we can only we have to make sure that we are spreading it or sharing it um equally or however and then because we'll run out of it i believe we don't run out of love and that's again my understanding of just some of the learnings that i've had um in relation to speaking with elders and understanding it is that we have an abundance of love. Mm-hmm. We do. Mm-hmm. And we have the ability to share love in many different ways, in many different spaces. We have the ability to feel it, to experience it, to breathe it, to live within it, if we choose. Mm-hmm. And I think about how that has changed my perspective in the sense of like not having to hold this like bubble of love and it's like hey where am I gonna give my love it's just like everyone's everyone's gonna get my love (laughs) 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 just here you go spreading it out (laughs) but the ability to that and and what actually how that then because I've done that and sharing love in my relationships is I see the impact that it has or trickles off into other spaces right whether that is you know we have love um with my children like right that's a love that I share with them but love within different relationships or within the workplace and like it's such a it's it's weird because they again like when we think about working in some of our workplaces you know there's these these um these things in place where we have to be professional and especially because i'm in a leadership position you know you have to be mindful of her boundaries but i think that like when i think about my team um at McEwen, for instance we're a family and we share love with one another and we care about one another and we can tell each other that we love one another. Um, and you don't see that sometimes in some workplaces, 
where you are building a sense of community and not just a sense of community, but a sense of family. And that even goes back into our lodges. I remember going into a lodge down south in Saskatchewan and I remember my first day in there and not knowing the community, not knowing the people and, and being told, this is your family. Yeah. We'll take care of you here. Yeah. Right. And that love that just is just entrusted to you and yeah. given to you without you having to beg for it, pay for it, yeah. work for it. You know what I mean? That's the kind of love and um, that we should see more of, I guess, in that sense. Yeah. So I want to, you know, I don't want to pay for love. <laughs> no, no. No, and then and then the yeah that that feeling of of being indebted, um, and uh, yeah yeah I I fully I it's a big ten four there man I, <laughs> mm-hmm. and 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 like you said there's 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 this never ending resource or like you said you called it a tank, uh, and that's that's really important <clears throat> for us to think about is is how. Uh, and again, I, for me, it always goes back to that image of that light. And if my, if my light is a bit dimmer, I, I know where I can go, you know, to, to brighten or to, to Just do that. Just throw some gas on you. Start <laughs> a bonfire. <laughs> Just light you up. Light me up. Light me up. I have a question though for you. Oh gosh. It's just come up, and I think that I just want to ask because I'm curious, and you don't have to answer if you don't want to. <laughs> it's putting you on the spot. So in that episode that we did two years ago, there was a comment you made, or and it, I don't even know if it was a comment or a question for that matter, but it was in relation to a story that you had with somebody um, in your in your family. Um, and the question was around, do we have a chance? Hmm. Do we have a chance at healthy indigenous love? And at that time you said, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Is your answer still, I don't know? Or do you have a different response to that now? You want me to get this much? <laughs> Do you need a cigarette? I might need a cigarette. Um, I told you this, and I, and I, I feel comfortable sharing it with, uh, with our, our listeners. There was a... Uh, I had experienced... I had experienced a recent relationship that um, I was in love. Like, I was, I was in love. Hmm. And uh, that relationship didn't... Um, it, it came to an end. Like the, the intimate partner relationship came to an end. And there was a time after that, this was recently, that I felt really stuck. Uh, stuck in um, trying to understand uh, what I could have done differently. You know, is there other things that I, that I could have done to have uh, supported this person or to have um, made this relationship last? And we oftentimes go into those um <laughs> those really deep places yeah um uh, and and sometimes uh, full of self-doubt and all kinds of things and so when i when i had left that or that when that relationship had ended i was really i was grieving mm-hmm. i was grieving really hard 
like the different things uh, that I expected, um, the um, the ways in which I recognized that it wasn't going to be the same, and that I would have to um, I would have to move on from that, hmm. and I kept asking myself myself like how do I how do I how do I move on from this like what what do I do what what are the things that I have to do to to ensure that I am not replaying these things in my mind about this and so if you would have asked me then that question I would have said no I don't believe we have a chance but there was a night where I was like laying in bed and I do like some mindful um I talk to myself before I go to sleep and I do like mindful, you know, meditations or I'm just very mindful of like what's happening in my body and whatever. So I'm laying there and I thought to myself, Amber, like any, like this is possible. Having a healthy relationship is possible. And I had to change my language. And what I did was, is I laid there and I closed my eyes and there was this path that me and my cousins used to walk from the side of our house to my cookum's house, mm-hmm. my grandmother's house. <clears throat> and it was a path that we, we knew well. There was two paths that we used to walk. And one was in the ditch. So, you know, it was short grass. We could zoom across on our bikes. And then there was another path. And every time we'd walk that path, we'd run into frick. There was fears of running into bears um there was lots of thistles Mm -hmm. and trees that were like you know they had they had died and they had fell onto that path and so every time we would walk that path we would work harder to get to my grandmother's which was a place of love for me Mm -hmm. and so I had this idea to do this visualization of that path of getting from one place to another and what I needed to do to clear it. And so I started every night for months, I would say to myself, what are you gonna pick up and clear today? And so if it was a thistle brush, you know, if it was a tree that was, you know, in the way, if it was, you know, the risk of a bear coming and, and you know, scaring me, I had to imagine myself removing the debris from my path to get to this place of love Mm -hmm. and this is how I have been visualizing a partnership Mm -hmm. I know I know now that I am going to have a healthy relationship with a man I am I know I am I can say that confidently because I have spent from the time that relationship ended to today I have spent all of this time doing this visualization of clearing the path. So what has that looked like? Well, let me be frank. (laughs) It's looked like completely blocking the debris, getting rid of it. Whether that be men who have been in my life, who have wanted access to me, but they're debris. And that's not to say that they're terrible people or that um, they don't have a place in someone's life. They don't have a place in mine mm-hmm. and not on my path. And so I've been removing the debris, relationships, unhealthy relationships, mm-hmm. um, negative self-talk, um, a lack of awareness, 
being more mindful of uh, what I want. And all along the path, I'll say things about uh, myself, kind things about myself. And I also say kind things about my future partner. And the reason I'm clearing that path is not only for me to get to the other side, you know, with less debris in love, but for them to also reach me so that it's not hard to get to one another where we can come together and meet halfway without all this debris. And my hope is that they're doing the same, that they're clearing the debris too, Mm -hmm. because that's their role. It's their role to clear the debris. I can only do so much. Hmm. And so, yes, absolutely. We have a chance. We have a chance. You have a chance. I have a chance at healthy love and healthy indigenous relationships. Absolutely. Again, a couple months ago, a couple years ago. No, I remember no. a couple months ago. No. Nope. And I'll, because I, I remember that, that space. And I remember you having that conversation and sharing with me that meditation and that guided imagery work that you were doing in your life. And it, this was at the beginning. And I remember you saying that, you know, again, not having the doubt again, like, again, if that question came to you at that time, you would have said no. And I remember telling you, I'm excited for you. Mm-hmm. I'm excited for you. And I am going to hold that hope for you. And you're like, please, like, yeah. please, I need you to do that. Cause yeah. I don't, I can't do that for myself right now. Yeah. And I was excited because I was like, hey, we see, again, like the work that we have to do for ourselves in order to also have those, um, to make those connections. And I think about, you know, I have um, also recognized, you know, in, in early winter or in the fall that I came to a place where I had to really look at um, what my future partner looked like and the needs that I have uh, moving forward. And I remember very clearly um, sharing to myself and talking about this and meditating about how I was ready. Mm-hmm. You know, I had come to a place where I felt ready now to be in relationship with somebody. Um, and, you know, I, I can't say that before that, that I was, I, I was ready. And it took some time because I think that, and again, like even meeting somebody um, really puts in perspective um, that connection of, of, of love and it changes everything because it sometimes just comes out of nowhere. And I've had that experience where it has come out of nowhere. And, you know, I had this conversation with my sister. So my sister uh, is married and, um, you know, she, and this was, they've been married for quite a few years, her and her husband, um, but they were engaged after three, three weeks. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I had asked her in, in, the, in the wintertime in December, I said, when did you know? You know, because we hear this term often that, you know, when you know. And, and she said, I knew after the first date. And I knew that, you know, that we, again, it's, it's hard to explain, but she's like, we both knew after the first date that we were going to be together. Hence the, 
the engagement that came weeks later and then of course the marriage and the babies that came afterwards um, but even being aware of when we are we are sharing with ourselves that we are ready to be in partnership and knowing when we are meeting somebody and I feel like that sometimes that's again and I talked about this in one episode when you asked me what my indigenous love language was mm-hmm. and I said spiritual connection mm-hmm. and it is because it's almost like your spirit knows before you do mm-hmm. and then your spirit when it meets somebody else and that's that piece around you know when you know because it's your spirits that know right or there's that connection at that level they recognize each other they do the spirits recognize each other they do yeah and i really believe that and you know that that's such a beautiful thing and there's you know my hope and i still carry that hope for you and i know and and as you're talking about it like people don't see you but i'm staring at you and you're smiling Mm mm-hmm you're smiling, talking about it, and you're happy, and you're excited, and so I can I stop being excited for you? I'm gonna be excited now. Can you be? Can you hold that hope for yourself and be excited for yourself now? And I said this, and I said this to our girlfriends. I said this to our girlfriends the other day. I said I'm not ready yet. I'm not. I know I'm not. I know I'm not there. You know, like how you just said. You know, like you opened soon, yourself up. Soon the door is gonna open. Jessica. Oh, Chesqua. Just... Uh, yeah, yeah. The doors are going to open to Amber's love. Oh, you better watch out. Better watch out. But it's it's true. I know I know I still have a little bit left to do. And and I know that and and I just want to say, you know, when you talked about your sister's story and how they knew, they just knew. I think that again, the part that I'm working on is that there has been times where I'm like, oh yeah, this is it. Like, this is my person. And that's not to say that I didn't have some great, I've experienced love. I have, men have loved me. They have, they've Mm -hmm. loved me and I've loved them. I think that the piece that I'm continuing to like work through and the debris I'm clearing is that there are, that I can know that I can be in that space of knowing rather than knowing from a place of hurt. Because mm-hmm. that's different for me. It is. It's like it's different. I, I, I can know and I can trauma bond with you. <clears throat> right. Or I can know because I am so secure with myself. Mm-hmm. And the knowing is going to look different than it has in the past. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm excited for. And you'll know. <laughs> fucking okay. rights you'll know you're fucking right so i'll know yeah you will yeah so yeah thank you for holding it for me just a little bit longer okay <laughs> just go just hang on to it a little bit longer and i'll be ready and i'll be ready all right <sighs> thank you for this conversation it was good it was a good conversation and i and i appreciate you i love, I love you. our conversations i love you too <sighs> Two crees in a pod. Two crees in a pod. Natani means. Yeah. Let's go. They pushed us to this point. Frustrations of a common man. Manifest the destiny, preach and pledge the promised land. I'm stuck between taking my journey, live with no honor. Like, what's the use of my kids? Can't taste clean water. A child born into a world, revolution's not a choice. Fighting to be heard, so we make them hear our voice. Remember ancestors' anguish lightning in our veins. 
hear it in the language when they are kitchen for the rain I am product of people that persevere persecution Paint me so creator sees me if I go out shooting Experience our pain when our women disappear daily Anxious to be angry, pacifists might hate me Trolls on the internet constantly trying to bait me We move in silence cover of the night Learning from the wolves in the forest Tracking enemies in the woods Reincarnations of warriors riding for salvation Or are we false prophets when we submit to temptation Colonization is a hell of a drug We all seem to go crazy when we fall in love I said colonization is a hell of a drug We all seem to go crazy when we fall in love I said Two Crees in a Pod.